Hello, photography lovers, and welcome to another episode of the Fashion Photography Podcast. And maybe you're here for the very first time, so let me tell you why the show is so epic. So every Friday, we're here with a guest, and every other Friday, I'm giving you some tips and tricks. And we do that because we want you to have the best fashion photography business out there. So we're trying to help you out with that through different interviews with different top artists in the industry. And today we're talking to Benjo Arwas. And in case you haven't heard part one of the episode, it's on photographypodcast.net. And this, my friends, is part two when we're going to continue our marketing topic. And we will also going to talk about his project for models.com with new faces and some short artistic interviews. And we're also going to answer the question, does your photography makes you become a better director? Or if you're a good director, you probably be a good photographer. This and much more in today's episode if you want to listen to more episodes and learn more, all you have to do is to go to photographypodcast.net. Do you think that um, your photography background helps you with the directing of a video or it's the other way around? Maybe the video is teaching you more to direct in your photography. You know, I stopped considering myself more and more like a photographer or director. I think it's more type of me as a person. I like the conversation. People inspire me. I like to know better. I like to know a journey of other people. I think to write a narrative for me nowadays, it's inspiration or something I've seen around me, smelled around me, heard around me, that now I can actually project it into a visual. I don't think I'm a better director because I was good in directing photography. I think... I'm a better director because I'm more curious and I can ask the right questions and making the right conversation with the people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more like a personality type than a practice in directing. Tell us about the opportunity that you had with models.com because I remember the very first moment I saw this short movie. Can I call it movie? I think it's a movie. It's a movie, in my opinion. I'm still going to call it like that. Okay. <laughs> movie, it's a big word, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> so tell us about this opportunity. When did it came? Was it long after the very first experience with video that you had? That was a long, long after. And that was very, very effortless movie, as you call it. Let's uh, tell to the people what's the movie about. Myself and Models.com, the editors, have been working for the past, I think, two or three years on some series of uh, portrait series in Los Angeles. Some portraits specific of, ta of models that are up and coming or a new faces of a specific agency. So in that case, the editors gathered together like faces from Ford Models LA that just... Uh, rebranded in Los Angeles because Ford wasn't in LA for a while. Mm -hmm. There was some shifts in this in the market over here and Ford Models reopened with the new founders, new everything around. Models.com wanted me to do these features with Ford Models. For me, honestly, there is no politics. Ford Models, LA Models, Wilhelmina, Photogenics, I will do with any agency, you know? For me, it's more about the narrative and what they can contribute with this piece. Yeah. 
I decided to call eight different models based on the editor decision, new faces from fold models uh, to my dining room because I moved to this specific house just because of the dining room. The window light is just stunning and beautiful. And just to take simple portraits of them. And then I told myself how many times I just took a portrait of a model and probably hundreds of times, close to thousands of times, I took model tests and just portraits of models. When I had a studio, every day I had two free models coming to my studio just for portraits and testings. And I'm like, okay, how can I expand it? Because just to take a portrait for me, it's free clicks on a film camera. I don't even shoot it on digital. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's free clicks with this light. I got it. Now what? This was the first time I actually experimented taking a Super 8 camera and using it as creating a portrait. And then after creating the portrait, I'm like, well, I have the ability to record each talent and to ask them questions. So let's do it as well. And I just put all these pieces together all by myself, created this piece that became a movie, as you called it. But it was a very interesting journey to self-realize about myself, what else I can do. I didn't knew that before I made it. To make a movie like that, they have to trust you, right? Um, to be honest with you, I don't even think they were expecting for this kind of piece. I don't think I was expecting. They didn't ask me to do anything like this. I did it because I challenged myself. Client tell me to do ABC, I will do the ABC. It's all good. I will put my very best to do it. Mm-hmm. But if I feel like I cannot gather anything from it or to learn something new from it, even with the clients, I won't be complete with myself. I will have to do DFG as well. So client asking me to do X, I will do X and Y. I will go the extra mile and will start to learn from it something new and fresh. Maybe that's the thing that is bringing you more and more clients. Because you're giving extra. I don't know if it's because giving the extra or trying, because not everybody knows it, you know. Now I'm telling the story so people know what's the back of it, the psychology of this piece. But if I won't tell you the story, people will think I got assigned to do exactly like this and these are the scripted the questions and scripted the poses. Not everything is planned, you know. This was an amazing happy accident piece I made and put together. I think... A client tells me, hey, Benjo, we want you to do this and this. I will respect it. I will do it. And if I have time and I'm able, I will go an extra mile definitely to create something more interesting for myself. Otherwise, it's just another picture or another film. And I, I just don't like the another. I want it to be special. Does it mean that it also has to be difficult? It has to be difficult because then I don't have the challenge. And, you know, not only to do an interview, but to shoot it on film and to record through the phone, not even like on on recording in person. Mm -hmm. And to direct people through the phone, not even like in person to explain them how I want the tone of their voice to sound like. I directed audio. So it's something new to me. I would love to use more audio people and sound designers, but... I don't always have the budget and, you know, I have a recorder with me on my phone. I can do stuff. I I have everything I need. It's 2020. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody has almost everything they need. I don't really get 
the whole movement of people complaining. <laughs> no, complaining is part of the journey. I used to be a massive complainer. But you see me now in my state of mind, why do I spend the nerves on it when I can actually waste the energy on myself and what I am good about and what I am bad about, what I am going to learn from it mm -hmm. and how can I provide something new? So this is always the question. Uh, recently, I learned that no more to say something like what if, you know, when you're talking to a client and you're always trying to present like worst case scenarios, like what if this happened? What if that happened? So it's changing the words what if with we'll see. Mm. So to approach things with a better positive attitude and less challenging, that's that's a secret. And it's a state of mind. When you met the people from models.com, what type of mindset you had back then? And how exactly you met? As I know and familiar with models.com, it's basically a platform, the database of all the models. And now it's reaching out to photographer, makeup artists, clients, magazines, uh, any kind of source in the industry and what's happening, what's not happening. It's a great source. Daily, I'm going over there and receiving the newsletter. Sometimes, you know, see what's happening, who is now the designer of which brand, stuff like that. Besides being a database, they're producing their own visual content and features to support either new faces and model agencies to supporting clients or just bringing on the Fashion Week news or the, the normal industry news. So, you know, it's, it's just another platform, uh, a great one that they followed. And I was curious, you know, I had a studio, I had a space, if I can actually contribute to them because I really love the aesthetics. And I felt like I can do something interesting. So my first assignments were like, almost like, wow. Did you ask for them? Yeah, I reached out to the editors, you know, it took me quite a while to actually get a response. Again, the journey of to reach out to a new people. I shot an email to the editors and, you know, after a while, I got a response. I think it's about of uh, momentum and timing in life. Oh, you absolutely. Know? When models come, it's like if they need, they will respond. Yeah. Not everybody needs right now. Or absolutely. maybe my work wasn't fit back then. And then maybe when I pitched a better idea, so it was sufficient and better for them. Mm-hmm. But it's with any client magazine or anyone. Eventually, once I got the access, so we worked on, I don't even remember how many, but there was around, it was in 2017, I think, October or September. We called to around 40 models in one day to take portraits in my studio. Oh and my this God. was like all the new faces in town back then from all the agencies. Wow. A big mix of talents that... You know what, honestly, let's say that 90% of them are not on the boards anymore. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. We still gave a highlight for these young talents and, and young new faces, which I think is very important because the industry has to keep and develop and evolve. Absolutely. So I did this feature and it always worked well for me because I used to shoot a lot of Polaroids and Polaroid was the most real and instant portrait I could produce for models to show character, to show, you know, everything from the eyes to the skin, to the hair, personality. It just worked out well for all of us. I did Polaroids and, 
and it became a feature. The next times I worked with them was maybe a specific, like, hey, one talent specifically because they are activists or something cool, so let's shoot a feature for them. And that's it, nothing too complicated or, or crazy. Nowadays, of course, the video coming in, into play, so I will reach out to models.com or to the editors only when I actually see that I, I have the time to produce something like that. Let's say for next week, for example, I have a free week, so I will reach out to people like, hey, let's do something. Do you have anything new in mind? Do you have any new ideas in mind? How can I do something new with you? So I start to reach out to people because I just cannot sit for one week and do nothing. Mm -hmm. And it happens, you know, no one shoots in between season constantly. All oh, the time. of course, that's totally normal. And people should not be afraid of that. Of course, it's part of it, and we need to embrace these times. You know why? Because then we are complaining and crying when we have back-to-back -back and craziness. True. So we're really trying to enjoy the time, but still, you know, okay, what's next? Always okay. What can I shoot to develop my aesthetic, to develop my vision, to, to create a new message? I'm just utilizing this empty time to reach out to people like models.com, to Verit different magazines around and to see who is interested. Tell me if with the time something have changed. Maybe you have bigger teams now or something like that. And not necessarily. No. The the only thing that grew on my end it's when the client is big and they need a to do stills and digital and it's become very overwhelming with the narrative and writing. So I will hire a DP and video team with me. So I will direct and they will shoot. Normally, I will shoot everything myself on film, 16 millimeter mainly right now. My team did grow though with the video and the editing team. I have an amazing editing team in Mexico and they, they are like, I cannot breathe without them. They, they doing, I won't be who I am without my team. So that's for a fact. Oh, that's lovely. Um, now that you have bigger productions, uh, what is the biggest one that you've had so far? I think last year, you know what, it, it wasn't something out there or something too much to be like fashion and stuff. It was more commercial work, of course. Mm -hmm. And I got hired to direct a T3 campaign, the hair products, the hair tool uh, company, T3. Was it video or photo? It was video directing and stills. <gasps> so, but you weren't shooting. What, the video? Yeah. Yeah, I hired a full-on team. This was the first time I hired like DP, AC, gaffer, key, trucks, like 10-ton trucks, craziness. Mm -hmm. It was 10,000 square feet warehouse up in the valley that we built like six different setups over there. It was amazing. It was a full-week shoot, and, and it was very interesting for me to move from like shooting at the, at the dining room with one-to-one -one people to moving to a set of 60, 70 people. Were you stressed out? No, because I learned to contain and to delegate. I knew Good that job. every person I hired know their craft and we need to trust the process. My job mainly was to see what's the client's need, what's the agency approach and how I can execute it the best for what they're asking for. So to direct a specific scene in a specific way, to solve problems connecting between one transition to another, a lot of small components that we don't think like in stills photography. Mm -hmm. Happily, it was a learning process for me because a lot of things came in naturally for me. 
I don't know how because they don't have the education, but it was very interesting project for me. Like what? What came to you naturally? Give us an example. To solve problems for the client and to actually connect between scene to scene, to sit and write, to sit and creating storyboards and actually sketches, you know, like old school animation, mm -hmm. storyboards. It was very, very, very uh, rewarding process and prep because it was my education in filmmaking, basically. Uh, learned a bit more about each person and what their position on set. Uh, learned more about post-production, operating with the client and an agency, uh, working on a tight deadlines and presenting things, creating a treatment. So many things that you don't just learn as a photographer. It's stuff that need to come with a process and a long, long journey. A lot of mistakes as well. What was the biggest one? Mistakes doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, we always say mistake, people refer it directly to failure. And it's mm -hmm. not really. Mistake can be even like a glimpse between miscommunication with the client and the agency. Or mistake can be maybe we hired the wrong person to, to do such and such. Uh, maybe there was not that much communication and there was not mistake, but like an error in the post-production or the timing wasn't right. So it's thing that we learn and evolve. We not learn and sitting whining that we failed. We're learning and we're running forward, upward and onward. Mistakes are part of the progress, you know, and the journey. So we have all the time to trust it and to, to keep it going and to trust the people around us. I think this project led to many other great looking projects, right? So can you recall just one other project that was really big for you and that you were super excited about from the last, let's say, three years? Last year, 2019, on the week that I went to the portfolio review and proposed my, my wife right now in New York, mm -hmm. we actually went to the IPA gala. I won first place advertising in the International Photo Awards. Oh. So it was a big, big, big thing for me. And we went to the gala. It was amazing just to be around the people and the invitees over there. Wow, like legends from photojournalistics to advertising to portraits to award-winning lifetime people like Douglas Kirkland was presenting some awards. I was interning for him nine years ago. So for me, it was like a circle closing, you know, I was interning for the guy and now he's presenting the awards that I won first place in advertising. <laughs> so it was very much like very surreal and, and like crazy for me. I think you lately feel very comfortable around stars and big names, right? Because I saw your photo shoot with Terry Crews and I'm a huge fan of him. Terry is amazing. This is actually quite an old shoot. This is from like 18 or 17. Ever since many other names came in front of our lens, it's people eventually. The fact that they have a bit more followers or have a word to say in many places, we respect it. But it's just the normal people. Uh, we have to remember it. And like I have a conversation with someone at the groceries, that person could be a celebrity, musician or anything else. It's every person is a universe eventually. Terry came on a personal assignment actually. This was a commissioned work for the PR to create new uh, content and new headshots for Terry. 
and I have it very often. Nowadays, less because I don't have my studio. So I think a lot of PRs kind of like step back because they need to pay extra for a studio now, mm-hmm. which I used to just provide it for them back then on top of the rate. But that's a business point of view more. But let's be more practical about it. Terry came with his PR so I can capture new pictures for him. And when I send new pictures, it's I'm trying to cover everything from just a simple headshot clean, just with a T-shirt, into like more suit look and then like a bit more creative editorial approach to show personality. Then the PR takes the images and send them out to magazines or syndications so they can, Terry came out with a new book, let's promote it. Or Terry come out with a new show or hosting a new thing, let's promote it. So I give them the usage and permission based on their rate to use it for all the platforms they need. So that's, that's basically called the spec shoot with celebrity. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a model test just with the celebrity. I remember that he arrived to the studio with a team, good shake of a hand, a strong one. The guy is <laughs> massive. And, you know, just to develop the conversation and some point of interest, not even touching the camera in the first 20 minutes, just like talking, catching up and, and talking about things, about how great this, about how great that. A small talk, basically. Mm-hmm. Then we will go over the fashion. We'll see what he's very curious and interested to explore with the suits, with the looks, you know. Then we'll do like a small brief with the PR just to see, okay, what exactly are we doing today? What's coming up? What can we do for Terry to provide him the best image he can? And and I always give Terry, and no matter which talent, the understanding that this day is for them. Especially when we shoot celebrity for a spec shoot like that. It's about the personality. We are not selling fashion. It's not a catalog. It's the focus on them and and only them. That's it. So if the picture is sad, people will see them as a sad people. If they are laughing, people will see them as happy people. It's almost like a mirror. My lens is a mirror for them to the millions of followers and people they want to engage with. Mm-hmm. So all this explanation and understanding and getting to some sort of comfortability with like, okay, we're trying the first look, we're looking at the monitor, everything is alive and fun and, and the talent really appreciate it and they can see how they can improve as well for a better picture. So with Terry specifically, you know, he have a specific unique thing like uh, jumping. He always jump, spread out the legs really big and the hands. So... Of course, we've done this many, many times. It's like his signature pose. He always jumps. <laughs> and he's big. So when he lands, it's like boom on the stage. <laughs> that was fun. The guy is really taking care of himself. The guy is big. And, you know, besides the fact that he's funny and like engaging, it was very honor and big aura almost in my portfolio to have him a part of it. Oh, definitely. He's... I believe he's really helping your portfolio still, though that this photo shoot was done quite a while ago. Yeah, I mean, before that, I think he and the PR mentioned that he haven't done new pictures since like 2012 or something. Mm-hmm. Some celebrities doesn't have the necessities to run and to create new pictures all the time for press. They are very established. So for him and, and a few others that they photographed uh, during these past three years, they don't need the PR shots all the time. They can use the same headshot for years. Plus, he's not changing a lot. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, but you know, his personality is very evolved, and and you know, he's now reaching new skies, and I'm very happy for him. Yeah, I feel very honored and privileged that he got for me for a personal assignment. So it was very honor for me. Sounds like a big honor, yeah. And it's also a big honor for us to feel like we're in your studio right now, and like we're on this photo shoot. So thank you so much for sharing. Before the end of the podcast today, I would like to circle back and go back to the marketing topic from the beginning that we had and ask you if you had to choose just a three things to move your business in photography forward, what would be the three marketing steps that you would take? I would say, first of all, to create new work. The fact that we have already existing work, it lives for a season. And once we share it and once everybody saw it, it's already disposable in a way. So we always want to create new work and fresh work to present to our audience. On the other end of it, the, create, the creation of new work, it's as well to fulfill your own passion and to experiment your aesthetics and to see what will work and what won't will work, either if it's a specific vision of hair and makeup or a specific type of model, or technical lighting, like if you want to explore new lighting. Always, always, always be on the guard and always try to create something new. That's at least my mantra. I'm always, always looking what's my next thing. Regardless my client and my schedule, who, me, Benjo Awas, what can I now do next to, to overcome myself? How can I become a better self? as a photographer and director. Uh, so writing a new film or thinking about something, submitting my work to festivals and seeing the feedback. That is awesome. And what do you think we can expect from Benjo until the end of the year, let's say? So the goal I put for 2020 personally is just to keep and maintain 2019. I really enjoyed the past two years. 18 and 19 were amazing for me. So many changes from getting married to moving to a new house to have my daughter now she's six. It's a crazy mind blowing for me to finding an agent to keep and maintain new and old clients. I just want to, to be consistent now. I want to keep doing what I'm doing, just different vision and, and different approaches for things. Where do you think we can follow your work best and be on top of every change and every exciting step that you take? My Instagram, it's at Benjo Arwas. Second of all, my website, it's always like a good source to see. Probably once a week, I will update it with a new project. As well, my Vimeo account, I always uploading my motion projects. So it's very interesting to see how everything evolved and developed from one video now to like 200 videos on my channel. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. And, and we can go on and on and on about filmmaking and, and fashion films and stuff like this. Because uh, I would say that 99% of my clients nowadays demanding video and stills. Do you think that at a certain point you are going to create only video? No, because I think for me it's a corresponding. I had a few jobs that I've done. I've been hired only to do video, but I still really enjoy stills. It's, it's, it's a part of me. It's organic. Lovely. 
That sounds awesome. All of the links that you just heard, guys, are linked in the show notes on photographypodcast.net. And Benju, huge thank you for being our guest again. It was a big, big honor. Thank you for having me again. It was very exciting. Looking forward for the next time. This was the final part of our interview with Benjo, but new podcasts are coming with brand new guests, so definitely stick around, and I bet you're going to love the new episodes. For now, all you got to do is to go to photographypodcast.net if you want to listen to the previous episodes. But if you want to listen and also look at some new content that you haven't seen anywhere else, if you want to find out what's standing behind a certain idea, if you want to see more behind the scenes photos and dive into the creative process of the top people in the industry, you can also follow our YouTube channel. It's called, of course, the Fashion Photography Podcast. And there is a separate series that is called The Creative Process. And there we meet different photographers that are telling us how they're arranging their photo shoots, what is special about their photo shoots, how they talk to a certain client in order to achieve a very particular result. So you can also find us on YouTube and I'll be waiting for you there because on Monday we're having a live with an amazing photographer and I'm sure that you would be so, so happy to ask your questions live in the comments. I'll see you on Monday, guys, and have an amazing day. Of course, share the podcast with everyone because what? Yeah, everybody needs to know about it. Thank you, guys, and I'll see you next week. 